Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. We'll stand at a crossroads. <clears throat> a crossroads between um, sometimes the things we pray for and then the courage to receive the answer. And so um, I'm excited of, of the things, the promises that have been spoken um, over the years, the words that God has given and to see the fulfillment of these things begin to happen. It was James Reed who was told to come out here uh, in this area because the Lord had told him that there was gold in the fields. Not like literal gold. Of course, we haven't dug for it, so there could be literal gold under here. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that that's a spiritual thing. Gold meaning that um, really that God has, has a purpose for a church being out here in the middle between cord fields and, and small little communities neighborhood community. If you look at it from the outside, it does not make sense to put a church out here where there's hardly anybody at, right? It does not make sense. If, if you were looking at this from a business standpoint, there would be hardly anybody that would drive by to buy your product, you know, if you were just going to start a business out here um, and you needed customers. Um, same way in thinking of, of planting a church. You know, you don't naturally look, let me go two miles outside a small city and 12 miles away from a bigger city and plant a church. Um, but that's exactly what God had called uh, to happen. It can be inconvenient sometimes to drive out here. I did it for years living in Clinton and driving out here every day. Um, sometimes twice a day, uh, especially if you're meeting somebody in Clinton for lunch and coming back and forth. Um, I, I had never really thought about it much uh, in doing that, but in thinking back now, it's, you know, you would think, well, maybe you should, you should, you know, to, to get more people, to get more things happening, maybe you should plant in a bigger city, maybe you should plant in Clinton, maybe you should, maybe you should have planted in Morrison, maybe you should have done this and that, but you, you can't, you can't look back at um, and second guess what God had asked or ordained to happen. Because the, the spiritual realm does not take its cues from the physical realm. The physical realm, for those of us who are attuned to it, which is you people here, we take our cues from the spiritual realm. And so Jesus took his cues from the spiritual realm because Jesus didn't do what he thought needed to be done. Are you listening? Jesus only did what he saw his father doing, and his father was sitting on a throne in heaven. And so through prayer, Jesus walking through is, and, and you read the scriptures, you hardly get past uh, a few chapters where you see Jesus going to be alone somewhere to pray, right? And so taking his cues from his father who is in heaven, now we don't necessarily, because we now are, are seated in the heavenlies with Christ, as Ephesians tells us. And so now God is not reserved in a throne room, and the spirit of God is not reserved in a throne room. When the veil was torn, the spirit came out from behind the veil and now dwells inside of us. And so heaven has come down in the sense of the Spirit of God coming to his people. The kingdom of heaven, this is why Jesus would say about the kingdom that you know it, it, it's not something you're gonna go looking for. The kingdom of heaven is within you because the Spirit of God is within you, okay? And so the kingdom revolves around the presence of Almighty God and that's why we do not have to go searching for something that re already resides in us. What we are doing now is God show us how to release to tear the veils around our own heart that will allow you to come out and, and do the things you desire to do in us and through us and to the communities in which 
you've called us to serve and which you're planted in. And so, um, and so we're here for a purpose, and that purpose uh, has not, it's not finished yet. And so, um, and I don't know that the purpose will be completely finished until the Lord returns. I believe we're here for the long haul as a church. And the prophecies that have been spoken throughout the years, um, it's like you see glimpses here and there. But the promises are going to be about a a sustained um, habitation of the presence and, and glory of God amongst his people. You're all staring at me. Do you agree? Okay. And so um, in the Old Testament, hear my heart. In the Old Testament, the fire fell on dead sacrifices. In the New Testament, the fire falls on living sacrifices. That's why you present your bodies before the Lord as a living sacrifice. And the fire falls upon that. And that what is dead is the old man, but there's a new man that's resurrected in you that has the, power, the same spirit that raised him from the dead. It's the same spirit that is within you. I wonder, you know, if we really get that, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that resides within me and resides within you. You see, <laughs> these are not just pretty little scriptures that we, we carry around like ibuprofen when we have a headache and, and pop a pill to, to get rid of my headache. These are scriptures that we have that we, that we activate when we're, when we're habitating together and living in, in community with one another where God has called us to live. So, so we should be experiencing the power of the Lord in dramatically in not just in this place but in your life there's an inheritance maybe that you're not activating the fullness of which is the glory of God Christ in you okay and so I'm just I'm excited because um, uh, in the spirit I see some things that are starting to happen it can it can be uncomfortable sometimes to the flesh but what do you want to die? You want the flesh to die or you want the spirit to die? Because the joyce resides within us. I want the flesh to die. Okay. <clears throat> so we were in, we were talking um, about uh, the church. We're talking about, um, right now we're going through Revelation. We're talking about the seven churches that resided in Turkey, what is now Turkey. Man, I just, I pray for, I don't know why, I'm just sensing this. I'm, I'm, I just feel we need to pray for the resurrection of the, the church in Turkey. Amen? Because God's not done there. Um, a resurrection of, of the Spirit of the Lord. And for the churches that are already there, to God just come in power and, and, uh, and just move in power among them. Because those churches are probably similarly living uh, in the way that the churches in uh, the book of Revelation were living at that time, especially the church we're going to talk about today, which is the church at Smyrna, which in your subheading would be called the persecuted church. Um, The church was birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit falling among his people, but it was always uh, dealing with persecution. So there was... The glory that came in the book of Acts that fell upon the 120 up in the upper room and then began to explode massively out into the community of of Jerusalem and touching people. Now, the Bible talks about that there were people of all all around the world that were there. And the reason was is a lot of trade going on, a lot of things happening. So that this power thing that goes out from the Lord and people who are touched by it and 3,000 people who are saved, as they go back to their homes in different places that the gospel is going to be going out and, and actually following a lot of trade routes from there. 
It's on, it's on purpose. And so when you look at something like a city called Smyrna, um, it's very interesting. Another, another big city, uh, Smyrna is, uh, is, is kind of like the gateway, the Asian gateway between two massive, massively different cultures. And whenever you have a city that's birthed like that, you're going to have a lot of different things that are going on. Sometimes you'll get a hodgepodge of religious ideas. It's like going through the, the supermarket uh, of religion and saying, ooh, I'll take this from witchcraft. Ooh, 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 I really like this from whatever Asian ancient world. And ooh, oh, let's not forget our Roman stuff. And so you can be, get a whole lot of hodgepodge of different kinds of things that were going on, a blending of different things. Um, and that is natural to the heart of mankind because a lot of times what man wants is something that will give him comfort but not something that will give him challenge. Many people are excited about the aspect of God's love but they're not excited about the aspect of God's conviction of sin. And so what we do then is we begin to move these things out of the way that, that we don't really like, that don't allow us to remain comfortable. We move those to the side and we grab the, the scriptures that we want that will make us feel good about ourselves, but will not bring about any real change or fruit in our lives. And so we look back here and we can say, man, I wonder how they did that. But if you do a self-examination of the church just in the United States of America today, you'll see that what once may have started as, as solid has radically shifted faster than we've really known or understood to something that's become a hodgepodge of a lot of different things that we've added to it and we've added to our, our, our physical comfort. And we don't like to use the words of sin and all those different kinds of things in churches because we want to make sure that our churches are full of quantity but not quality. We want to be a, a mile wide but we're only an inch deep. So when you go to the beginning of the Mississippi River up in Minnesota, and I've had friends that, that have gone up there, that you can literally just walk across it because it's not deep. It, it doesn't start out like what you see. It starts off small. And many Christians, although we may start out in that, they, they remain in that area of a mile wide and an inch deep, which there's no real growth or, or fruit to there. They're still doing the same things they did you know, 10 years from, 10 years from before, they're still gossiping, they're still bitter, they're still angry, but they've been coming to church and doing ministry for those 10 years, but there's been no fruit that has been birthed in their life, and, and, and so you have to ask yourself, then what is the issue? Did God fall asleep? Is he not moving? Or is the issue really the condition of my own heart in response to the other things that God wants to bring to the table with me? which are things that are going to challenge me, which are things that I'm probably going to have to let go of and move away to embrace the, the real things that, that God wants to do in my life. And that is not necessarily easy, and I'm not saying that's easy because it's going to challenge me personally. It's going to challenge you personally. It's going to put that, in, that decision right smack dab in front of your face of, did I really give him my heart? Or am I a part-time Christian? There used to be a song during the 80s. Uh, I can't remember who sang it. But it's called Part-Time Lover. Maybe a Stevie Wonder, right? You know, talking about uh, being a part-time lover and adultery and all that different kinds of stuff. And would you like that in your marriage? Would that be okay? Would you be okay if you had a part-time wife or husband and you were okay having an open marriage? I mean, some people are. I mean, not talking about here, but some people are. I mean, that's the culture is going there more radically. But what we don't want to accept in our marriages, we seem to be okay with in our relationship with the Lord. You know? Part-time Christians, part-time, you know, C&E Christians, Christmas and Easter and those different kinds of things are... I'm coming, and I want to hear a good message, but I, won't, I don't want to be too challenged, you know? There, some people don't come because uh, they don't like what's being said from pulpits, because it's just too hard. It's just too challenging. I just, it's just this. It's just that. The reality of it is, is 
What we're really saying is, I don't want to open myself up to the things that God really wants to do in my life, and I don't want to surrender to it. And if that's the case, what eventually will begin to happen is, is I don't want to go to a church that does that. I want to go to a church that will keep me comfortable and keep me okay, which really is keep me deceived and keep me living my lie. See, we pretend that we're doing okay all the while we're struggling with so many things that Christians is not their inheritance, but we take as our inheritance because we're not because we're not committed one way or the other. We're landing smack dab in the middle. And so we, become, we have this divided heart uh, that, that James talks about. We're, we're this boat with, that has no rudder. And so like we're just driven by the wind and we're going this way and we're going that way and we have nothing. And so you can't expect to have any, any solid foundation when you, when you haven't really decided of, of what you really believe and how you're really gonna live when it comes to who Jesus really is. There's always going to be confusement. There's always going to be um, the struggle. Um, there's always going to be a struggle, but when you've made the decision, when you've settled it in here, then you understand and know what to do when the things of life become heavy and hard. So Smyrna is uh, a church, it's, it's probably going to have, or not a church, it's a city that's probably going to have a lot of different things going on. The other thing it's going to have, it, a very, a very, um, how would you say, if I were to describe it today, I would call it like a university town, you know, like uh, those towns where there's like, like University of Iowa or University of Michigan or University of Wisconsin or stuff, Big Ten, that's where it's at. Anyway. Um, you go to those towns and there's a lot of stuff going on. You go down the streets or the, the, the downtowns are just loaded with, well, a lot of bars, but a lot of other things as well too in university towns. There's a lot of things going on. There's, sometimes there's a lot more opportunities. Uh, sometimes there's a lot more opportunities for arts and stuff like that. So it's, it's really kind of, seems like it's really happening. It seems like it's really moving. And there'll be a lot of churches there as well too, good churches as well, and I, I kind of look at that when it comes to, I put Smyrna kind of in that category. That's just for me. I put Smyrna kind of in that category. But the one thing they were also doing there is because they were under Roman you know, occupation as well is that they began to do, they were doing emperor worship with Nero, Titan, and uh, uh, Do, Domitian, Domitian, anyway, the D guy. And so they began to build temples and do emperor worship, right? And so... Uh, that's not, again, that's not foreign to mankind. That's not foreign even to uh, uh, Israel would understand it a little bit when you, they come into bondage to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was one of those guys that was really uh, into emperor worship, uh, putting statues of himself and calling people to, to worship him um, uh, and, and others as well too. And so those things begin to happen uh, when we put the best attributes of what we think we are on a plateau, and then we begin to worship that as if that becomes God in and of itself. Now, there's two types of things that the enemy loves. He loves it when you worship him, and he loves it when you worship yourself. And if you're doing those two things, that's great, because that means you're not worshiping God. So the, even the enemy is, not, is okay not being the center of your world, as long as the Lord is not the center of your world. And so in Smyrna, you've got emperor worship, you've got all these things going on, you've got, you've got, it probably feels good to live there, a lot of opportunities, a lot of things, but the problem is, is there's a church there, and there's not like, as we talked about last week, there's not the first church of Smyrna and the second reformed church of Smyrna, there's not. There's just a church in Smyrna, right? And they are, they are worshiping the Lord. Now, the issue is, is that when you begin to worship the Lord, what you begin to understand is that there's nobody that is worthy of that type of worship than the Lord, which means that you can't, you can't worship the Lord and then turn around and tip the emperor. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about worship. You can't say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to give God my whole heart, but then I, you know, 
as a citizen, I got to go ahead and, and play a part with this Nero stuff or this uh, Titus stuff, when it, the, the kings and emperor worship. Mm-mm. That didn't work with um, Daniel either in the Old Testament. You know, when they're, when they're raising, you know, you're going to pray towards the emperor, you're going to pray towards the statue and blah, 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 and, and Daniel's being set up. But Daniel doesn't do that. He prays towards Jerusalem, doesn't he? And so it was a trap set up. Why? Now, he could have very easily tipped the emperor. He could have very easily come around and said, you know what, uh, God, you know my heart. You know it's really for you. But so that, you know, they don't kill me. Because if they kill me, God, you know, I, I can't do things for you, right? So obviously you don't want me dead. So what I'll do, God, is I'm, I, my heart is really for you, but... When it comes to this over there, I, I got to tip them a little bit, show them that I'm still there. How else am I going to evangelize to them, God? Got to evangelize to them. And so, and so I'll just, I'll, I'll tip my, my foot into the, that sea of worship for the emperor just so later on I can talk to him about you. Doesn't work. As a matter of fact, as Daniel was, was walking through this, and you know, you know what Daniel did, right? You see, there's something that happens when God captures the heart of who we are, and we're relentless and not letting anybody else have it, that we're willing to go to the rack. We're willing to go into the lion's den. We're willing to face what, uh, the, a furnace. We're willing to go into anything else, that anything that wants to take my body, you can have the body because he's already got everything else, and he's going to resurrect a new one for me anyway. So I'm not going to love this life so much that I'm going to not stand for what I know is true when it comes to my worship of who he is in the middle of a culture that's crying out for me to compromise in everything and to be tolerant, which is not tolerance. That's lack of love. If your house were burning and I didn't come save you, you would be upset. The house is burning, ladies and gentlemen. The house is on fire. I don't know if it's going to be put out, but I do know that God has called us to run into the flames for those who are seeking to be saved. Okay. So what we can't be afraid of when it comes to our faith is persecution. Man, there are some, there are some, uh, there are some crazy Christians um, in like China and in like uh, Middle East. I was, I was listening to some things about this and they're actually praying that God would use them and they would be counted, they would be counted worthy by God to be martyred for him. <laughs> When's the last time we prayed that message, huh? I mean, really. I'm not saying that to, to be, you know, to put shame on anybody. I'm just saying there's a, there's a definite difference in, in, in where we live, whether you're in America or whether you're in China. And the Christians in China are not really afforded all the luxuries that they have. All they have is his spirit. And they're, they'll, they'll crawl through whatever they have to crawl through. They'll do whatever they have to do to just get a page of scripture, Right? They'll face whatever they have to face because they know a spirit is real. They won't be denied it, and they will travel miles to whatever they have to do to come together with believers who are like-minded and worship him in the middle of their Smyrna. And they're like, it, my life doesn't matter when it comes to my desire and worship for Jesus. He can have it. If it brings him glory to keep me alive, blessed be the name of the Lord. If it brings him glory in my death, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because I, I don't want to, I don't want to fear those who can take my life. I fear the one who can send my soul to hell, as the scriptures talk about. So, 
What I want is I want the fear of the Lord, not the fear of, of man, not the fear of persecution, not the fear of anything others, else that the world and, and the devil is going to speak into your heart about. See, the devil would like to kill you, but he don't want you martyred for Jesus. He wants you stuck in addiction. He wants you to die a slow and painful death from alcohol. He wants you to die a slow and painful death of, from depression. He is hoping that you'll go through so much pain and so much anguish that at some point you'll put a bullet in a pistol and pull it. That's his plan for your life. Steal, steal, kill, and destroy everything about you. He doesn't want you martyred. He just wants you to die a slow death of spiritual cancel cancer which is sinfulness and so Jesus Jesus has the remedy for all of that Jesus is the one who makes people joyful going into the furnace (laughs) Jesus is the one who who has people that are singing hymns to God in the middle of jail Jesus is the one that can deposit that kind of joy. It doesn't mean that your emotions may not be a little fearful, this, that, and the other, but there's something inside your spirit that has remained steadfast that though he slay me, still will I serve him, right? And so there's something that's solid inside or should be inside of us that says, you know what? If he asks me to walk away from this, if he asks me to leave my home, I will leave it because my home is nothing compared to the glory of who he is and what he's done and what he will do in and through me. And, and that's, that's what I want. I think that's truly we find true peace and contentment when we try to stop holding on to both worlds and make them blend and work. The hardest thing you'll ever do is to try and bring the world and the spirit together and make them work. They don't. One will always be trying to pull you away from the other. And it'll tear you apart the last thing you want to say on your deathbed is like if only I wish I could have this I wish I would have done this I wish I would have been more I wish I I wish I would have had more less fear and 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 more strength I wish I would have had more courage here I wish I would have done this I wish I would have said this I wish all these different kinds of things you don't want that to be your legacy on your deathbed what you want on the legacy of your deathbed is, whew, it is finished. <laughs> I've, I've done all I've, I've been called to do. I, I don't think there's anything left. He's, he's, he's been able to spend everything of me there was, and I've kept nothing back from him. See, you, <laughs> you, you don't just get to Smyrna. You don't just walk into there and, and say, well, maybe we'll, we'll do this. Maybe, maybe in the first church of Smyrna, we'll, we'll, have some, we'll see what some good programs do. You know, when they're trying to kill you. Right? See, you, they've, they, these people have had, have, have had a power encounter. And, and the devil has power. And just like, just like uh, when the, Moses threw the snake, the rod down and it became a snake, the other guys threw their stuff down and it became a snake. The only problem was that Moses' snake ate their snakes. They didn't get to pick up a rod again. Okay? So you're, you're probably going to see some power encounters where the enemy is going to probably try and do something. It's like smokescreen type stuff. But the reality of it, it is nothing compared to the realness of who God is in the midst of everything. Okay? And so these people who are walking in, in, in Smyrna are, are made a decision that, listen, man, we're a church. We're an Acts 2.42 church. We're going to love together, we're going to eat together, we're going to fellowship together, and this isn't in Acts 2.42 in in this scripture, but it is throughout the the Bible in principle, and we're going to die together if need be. Because he's got all of us. Every single part. I don't know that God will call me to live in a foreign land. I don't know. I want to be open to it. I don't want to 
love my life here so much that I can't love other people that he's called me to. You know? And, and when I fall in love so much with myself and my pleasure, I'm eliminated from the type of love that I really true desire that comes from the Father and then is shown to others. That kind of love will make me love people that I once hated. That type of love will make me say, Father, forgive them for they don't, don't know what they are doing while they're tearing me limb from limb. See, there is a love that comes from the Father, people that is, is have we really tapped into it? Because the evidence of it may not be coming from our lips when we're arguing and bitter about so many other things or loving our, our lives and our pleasures so much that we, we've drowned out the still small voice of the Lord by the louder cries of my flesh. I... I, uh, I would be content probably to be here the rest of my ministry life. And, and, and there's nothing, don't get me wrong, this is not a setup, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm just using this as an example to say that if he calls me somewhere, I want my heart to be in that place where I'll go wherever he says. And I'm, I'm challenged by um, a speaker in particular uh, by the name of Francis Chan, who had huge church on the West Coast, San Francisco, I think, around there. Several churches that grew and were big. And he moved to China. And they're asked, like, Francis, why, why, would you, why would you move to China? You're having such influence right here and all these different kinds of things. And, and that's, that's the voice of the world cloaked in Christian talk. And, and, and here's what he says. Why wouldn't I go to China? If God has blessed me, you know, blessed him with influence and all those different kinds of things, why wouldn't God want to use these? What is so much, what is so better about America that God can't transplant somebody with those gifts that influence and to plant them over into another place where it's, it's dark, right? See, I don't think God is interested in his best and brightest people staying in the same place and never being challenged. I think if God has, has created the strong and the best, as they used to say, bring me your, your, your young people, the brightest, and we'll build them into something, but they never went really much anywhere. See, the best and the brightest are not to be staying in the shallow pools of safety. They are to be trained so that they're launched out in the places where it may be required of them their life, but they gave all and held nothing back. So the church is not about is not about building nurseries where people can stay in their diapers and yell and cry because their diapers are dirty and they want to be changed. See, the church is supposed to be this agency of where we're equipping people to understand how you change your own stuff or how you not mess in your own drawers. Or how you stay away from all of that crap in the first place, right? And so here in Smyrna, we're going to look at some things here. These things, says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. So why would he say something like that? Because every single thing that they worshipped, emperor, foreign gods, all this kind of stuff, has never been resurrected. Nero, dead. Titus, dead. All the Roman emperors, dead. They may have proclaimed themselves God, but they did not have the power of the true and living God because they stayed in the grave. They didn't come back to earth. They're not walking around with, with, with that type of power. And so why do we worship things that do not have the power of resurrection? You see, if you're worshiping something that does not have the power of resurrection, I'm not just talking about physical death, then nothing of the things of God will be resurrected in your life. 
He was dead. And he came to life. He walked out of the grave. You see, I, I, won't, I won't follow somebody to my death who hasn't walked out of the grave yet. I'm gonna, if I'm going to give my life, I'm going to give it to the one who has the power over death. Because there is not a grave that can keep his body down. And if I'm following him, then that means there's not going to be a grave that can keep this body down either. At some point, they're going to burst open. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. <laughs> in Christ. So I want to make sure that I'm giving all my worship, all my everything to the one who has the power over life and death. See, he raises things to life. See, when I was, oh, I can't give you the full story, but we sat down to dinner with some friends that I haven't seen since 93. And, uh, oh, stop cackling. She learned a few things, but I told her that there were two Steves once, and I killed the other one, and he's no longer alive. But the first thing we, Dan has talked about is they, they said, uh, well, this is the, they're talking to their kids, and said, this is the pastor that is going to do our things, and then, but they'd also told them some stories, and so they, he said, so they asked us what blank means, and I'm like, oh. I'd forgotten. That was out of my mind. Never realized, remembered that I, I had done that before. It's not horrible, but it's nothing of a godly man. I don't want to repeat it to give it glory. But they're, you know, chuckling a little bit like that and, and blah, blah. See, what they know is the old guy. And so all they know is that Steve. Who could be crazy when he wanted to be, Right? What they don't know is what's been resurrected, Hallelujah. right? And so I, I've had calls from some of them very infrequently throughout the years, like at one o'clock in the morning, I'll, I'll get a text on a Saturday night. Hey, what time is church tomorrow? Because I, I know where they're at, <laughs> you know. What, 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 you know, I'm, I'm talking like they're texting. Well, uh, uh time is uh, church I'll reply 10 o'clock okay well they don't come but you know what although they don't know fully resurrected they know there's something different and so whenever they hit that point of I don't have anywhere else to go and I don't know what else to do they're going to call someone who they think is going to have the answers and that type of power the power of the Lord coming through. So I don't have to be afraid about seeing these guys and ladies at the end of this month when I do a wedding. Because, and I'm, I'm gonna go golfing with them. I'm gonna hang out with them. And I'm not gonna be so holy as a pastor that I won't go to the same places that Jesus would and speak life. And see, this don't roll in some churches. This, this don't work in some churches. Because some churches have a wrong idea. Some, some of these churches wouldn't let Jesus walk in the door because he's still got a robe on. Right? Now, you've got to be wise. Don't get me wrong. You can't be stupid and you can't be a lone ranger. But you have to be willing when God calls. God, God's not going to call, God's intention is not to call you to something that's going to bring absolute failure to your life. God is calling you to something because he's giving you power over it. Okay? All right. So he is alive. He's not in the grave. He goes, I know your works, tribulation, and poverty. Some of yours may just have tribulation. Uh, but the New King James says, I know your works, uh, tribulation, and poverty, and that, but you are rich. And so 
uh, here's the thing of this church. I know your works. I know what you're doing in the midst of everything. I know the tribulation that you're going through, and I know that you're living in poverty according to maybe the physical realm, but what he's saying is, I'm here to tell you that you are rich. And see, if you're staring at only what you can see in your pocketbook or, or just what's around you, if you're always focused on what you don't have, you're never going to be focused on what God has given you. If you're not looking through spiritual eyes, you're not going to see your spiritual inheritance, and you're not going to access your spiritual inheritance. You know, there's a cloud out there. Did you know that? There's a, there's a Google cloud. There's an iCloud. There's so many clouds out there on the internet and all that stuff. I have a cloud somewhere. I didn't know if you knew that. I pay 99 cents a month for a cloud. And this cloud captures all my memories and it, it holds it, it up there. And somewhere up there, there is a history of Steve Harmon when the cloud first started. Probably when I got my first... Uh, smartphone or whatever years ago, right? Now, I sometimes, well, I don't know what the password is, and, um, but I know it's up there, and I can find my password somewhere, and when I do, I'll be able to access the cloud and see all these memories that I have forgotten. Great. Silly story about your spiritual inheritance. Your password is Jesus. And it's not just talking about what you've done. It's talking about who you are and and the future and destiny that he's called for you until you take your last breath. Because there's no retirement in the kingdom of heaven. None whatsoever. Your retirement plan is heaven. That's it. That's where the work ends. Heaven is Sabbath continually. Glory of God in eternity is Sabbath continually. See, even Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees about working on the Sabbath, said, hey, listen, my father is working. Guess what? The father went back to work after, 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 the, after the garden, after sin. Why? Because redemption had to start. And Jesus said, hey, if my father's working, I'm working. And if my father sees this guy on the Sabbath and wants him healed, there it goes. And, and, and listen, he, 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 in his talking to them, it, it's all about, listen, you guys, which of you wouldn't go save a donkey that's in a hole on the Sabbath, and you can't even muster up anything to deal with people who are supposed to be created in the image of God, and you will bind them to a law that you won't follow and keep them in bondage? Church, come on. He's working. Are we willing to work too? And he says, I know your works and that you're working. He says, I know the tribulation. I know the poverty. He goes, and I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So who are these? Uh, it could be Jews that are trying to marry circumcision again. It could be Gentiles who got circumcised. They're not really sure about exactly who or, or what they are, but whatever it is, they're not who they say they are. They're not really pursuing Christ. They haven't given their all to Christ. It's Christ plus something, or it's something completely different whatsoever, and they've actually become a synagogue of Satan. Now, synagogue, when it comes out, it's not about a building. It never was in the beginning. Synagogue in the beginning was about a gathering of people. In Jewish custom, we, we, they turned it into a building, but it was always in the beginning about a gathering of people, much like, hello, knock, knock, the church. It's not about a building. If, if this is the church, man, we're in trouble. Because God forbid if, if a tornado come and tear down, and it had to be a good one, but they, they've got them nowadays. If a tornado comes and tears this thing down and this is your church, you're scattered. If you have to be in this specific place, if you have to have these specific things, I'm telling you, that's not church. That's comfort. That means I can only exist in an incubator where it's the right kind of temperature and I'm getting the right kind of things and I'm getting, getting spoon-fed. That doesn't work in Smyrna. That doesn't work in Smyrna. See, you, you gotta know how to hear the voice of the Lord. 
you got to know who it is that you're worshiping, and you got to become like him. You're going to carry the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not the fruit of your flesh. If you're going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, you better be under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Because even though with the Holy Spirit, you don't get to do what you want to do when you want to do it. It is governed by the Spirit. Which means there are sometimes things that can be done that we think are godly but are not because God never orchestrated it for it to happen. And so we've got to hear for ourselves. We have this, this, this is about a hunger and a desire for the purity of who he is. And he's going to stretch us and he's going to move us and we want to move, but it's not going to feel comfortable necessarily sometimes in our flesh. But if we give it time, you're going to feel your spirit breathe again. I remember the first time my spirit took a breath. It's a quick one. It's breathing now, but there are times when it's like the Spirit just takes a deep breath in you, you know? And I remember standing up here. It was probably two stage constructions ago. But uh, I was standing right there, and it was, it was a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Never had hands laid on me for that. Never. I always, I believed in most of it. But I was like one of those guys that, um, you know, that were under, in the Bible talks about they were, they were under John the Baptist and preaching John the Baptist. And then they come to him like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? No. Have you heard about the Holy Spirit? No. And then they lay hands on him. These guys, same thing happens to them that happens in the upper room. What happened to me right there? Chris laid hands on me and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I felt that breath of the Spirit inside me. And while, while there, there can be one laying on of hands kind of for that, there can be many baptisms in it. And one we experienced with Leif when he was here. And so he says, I know that what you're going through, I know that you're facing people who, who say they're this, but are trying to bog you down in addiction, are trying to bog you down in all this other kind of stuff and, and keep you from experiencing that, that pneuma of the spirit. There's nothing like it when you feel that breath return to your spirit. But notice what God is going to do in the midst of this. He's, he's going to say, hey, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Notice what he doesn't say. Hey, listen, don't worry about it because I'm going to come in and I'm going to save you from all that trouble. He doesn't say, he doesn't say listen, once you follow me, you're not going to have a problem in the world. You're going to be Fat, rich, and successful. Never have a problem. You've got the Midas touch. He doesn't say that. Because the true church is going to experience persecution because of what it believes. I was talking to a group of people at Unity Christian School last week. And I just simply said, I am preparing myself for prison because of what I preach. Because I don't think we're far from it. What are you preparing yourself for? Listen, there's going to be... (laughs) There's going to be great and awesome things that are going to happen in the spirit. I think as, as the progress of the world is going the way it's going, I think when the, the Lord is going to break out in certain situations and there's going to be dynamic things happen, but that's still, people still going to go to jail. And people, people are still probably going to, be, going to be killed. Goodness, people. I look at our culture today. We're, we're Asian people can't even walk downtown without being attacked. 
That, that doesn't even make sense to me. I mean, I, I understand racism, but where did all this junk come from? It's just unleashed by the enemy. It's just hatred, and I get that, and who knows what people are thinking. You think it's going to be very hard for, for some people to figure out you're a Christian and hate you so much that they don't want to do bodily harm to you because of what you believe and what you preach? I'm trying to prepare myself mentally for the day where you either stop preaching what you're preaching or we're going to probably first start out with a, a ticket and then eventually we'll come jail or something like that. That's when it's good to go to jail. That's when it's good. You know you're doing something right if they want to put you in jail for preaching the gospel. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm not going to save you from it, but I'm going to be with you through it. And if they take your voice from this pulpit, I'll give you one in the jail. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a Paul and Silas moment. Maybe me and Big Jim will be sitting in jail somewhere, and all of a sudden we'll start singing, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, and maybe the jail starts shaking. Maybe. The question is, is that what are you preparing yourself for? And I think there's two things. There's probably many more. I'm just going to give you two because it's getting late. First, greater demonstrations of the glory of the Lord in your life. Open for it. Second, persecution from it. Those two things. As we head where we head, we know the dark is going to be unleashed to do dark things, but the light, no matter how small it is, always repels that darkness. And so as, as the darkness begins to do what darkness does, I believe that the Lord is going to be releasing to those who will receive it greater dimensions of his love and his glory and his power for the only purpose of bringing glory to his name, not glory to a, my name and not glory to a ministry and not glory to Kingdom Life Community Church, but glory to Jesus and Jesus only. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.